Welcome to Chicana and Latina Moms Podcast. This is our podcast. Un lugar donde hablaremos sobre la salud mental, cultura, como chicanas and Latina moms. La importancia de self-love, self-care, self-compassion. Y el recordatorio que somos chingonas. Y que esta es una revolución y una evolución para crear la mejor versión de nuestro ser. Because we can. Because calladitas, no more. Hey, my Chicana and Latina sisters, please do not forget to leave a review and give me your feedback. I would really appreciate it. This also helps other new listeners know what we're about. Gracias. Chicana and Latina Moms, ¿cómo están? Espero que estén muy bien. Thank you so much for deciding to click at Chicana and Latina Moms podcast. My name is Amapola Ramirez, and I am the creator and host of here, our podcast. So, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about life in recovery as a Latina mom. We know that there's a lot of generational traumas and there's a lot of uh, addictions in, you know, in different families. Every family is different, of course, but I hope you can relate to this episode if you um, are a mom who's had a history or currently is going through an addiction with alcohol. Um, we have a Chingona guest speaker today. Her name is Jasmine Murundumbai. Um, she is a sober woman, mom, sister, daughter, and friend, and she is a life and recovery coach. She works with clients to stop beating themselves up after a night of drinking and look at their last drinking episode as a tool to their recovery. Um, she coaches clients by guiding them to change their nar narrative of their drinking and how they can find sobriety in their life. Um, she never would have imagined 12 years ago, you guys, that she could, you know, she would be here sharing her story about drinking alcohol and from the age of 14 years old. Today, she shares her story to her family and friends, clients, and in events to help change the narrative about alcohol addiction and hope for recovery. Her greatest gifts are her kids. Today, she is a present sober mom that gets to be there for them. So let's get started. Um, this is Jasmine um, Murundumbai, and we're going to be talking about life and recovery as a Latina mom. I also want to add that you can watch our interview on YouTube, uh, and the YouTube channel is Chicana and Latina Moms channel. Thank you so much, and so let's get started. Hello, Jasmine. Hola, gracias por estar aquí. Thank you so much for being here. Um, it's an honor to have you here because I think you have a lot of great knowledge for a lot of the moms here. So welcome. Thank you, Amapola. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited yeah. to dig in and have our talk. Yes, yes, me too. I think this is a very important topic that we'll be definitely discussing. Um, and we will be discussing life in recovery as a mom. And, you know, there, it, it happens, you know, it doesn't mean we're less of individuals or mothers, obviously, but 
before we get into all that good stuff, um, tell us a little bit about you. Okay, so I am um, born and raised in Toronto, that's in Canada, um, and I am a life and recovery coach, and I help women to stop beating themselves up after a night or two nights of drinking, and let's look at why you're drinking, like what's going on, what's the root of the problem, because a lot of us that have been drinking for so long, it's we get into that space of like beating ourselves up, I'm the worst person, like, why can't I stop? You know, I see other people recovering, but I can't stop. So what's yeah. going on with me? So I dig deep with my clients and just say, okay, what's happening? How are you living your life? What's your relationship with alcohol? How are you as a mom? Like I, for myself, I was a teen mom at, at 16 and I started mm -hmm. drinking at 14. So when oh, I got okay. sober, I didn't know how to be a mom. I was mm -hmm. like waking up on a Friday, Saturday, because of the weekends I used to drink, I would binge drink. I don't know how to wake up and talk to my kids sober. Yeah. So those are the tools that I walk with my clients and just say, okay, let's look at this and let's get you some tools. Yeah, that's good. Wow. That is amazing because a lot of people think it's impossible to become sober because you know it's the body like wanting a substance right yeah. wow that's it kudos for you awesome yeah you know it's crazy yeah. right how life happens like we go through things in life and we wonder why am I going through this is so freaking uncomfortable and then it's like yeah. oh wait a minute here's why to be able to help you know other people because it's tough yes know? Yes. And I was, I'm so happy you said that, that wanting that substance, because when I found alcohol, for me, it was about what the substance made me feel, how it made me feel. As soon as I had that first drink, I was like, oh my God, now I'm pretty. Now I'm thin. Mm -hmm. Now I'm just like this person that I've always wanted to be. It gave yeah. me like just that sense of not feeling itchy in my skin. Yeah right because I always yeah. walked around as a kid just feeling itchy in my skin and I grew up uh, in an Ecuadorian home even though we were in Toronto it was just very just traditionally Ecuadorian um, I have a lot of values still that even my kids are like it's like this is like old age style right yeah <laughs> even in today's world <laughs> yeah and so I grew up like around just people drinking you know our dad's drinking um, you know yeah. passing out just drinking for days like going into uh, parties like on Friday till Sunday right yeah. so I always thought like alcohol was part of everybody's lives and until yeah. I went into like other culture like friends that had other cultures they'd have like mm -hmm. milk on the table or juice or water and I'd be like why are they drinking that why aren't they drinking beer yeah Right. And <laughs> so that made me feel different because I'm like, why am I so different? And just all these different, um, like as a Latina growing up with being around people that drank, it was always a secret. Right. Mm. And even as a woman, I never like I would see like women drinking, but they were hiding their drinking when when we, they were drinking. They were like in the kitchen. Oh, OK. In a cup that didn't look like. Yeah. <laughs> like a and coffee mug. <laughs> Yeah, until everybody got drunk. And once everybody got drunk, like the husbands didn't care that they were drinking. Yeah, 
Yeah. Right. So definitely. Yeah. So it became like, oh, it must be a secret because I don't see women like me drinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like you're saying, right. Part of like the culture, um, a lot of us, when we were younger, well, we would get the beer from the, from the Yalera, the cooler and like, yes. oh, my, my dad and his compadre wanted a beer. Go get me a Corona. Like we already know the names of the beers at a young age. So, yes. you know, we see that. Um, do you think that alcoholism is more learned behavior or genetics or both? What do you think? I believe it's both. I believe that um, something happens to me as soon as I have alcohol in my system. It's like, I forget that, like, let's say I have a drink right now. I'll forget about my recovery because that feeling that comes into my body when I have that alcohol, it just feels it overpowers all my recovery. So there's something like, like a body allergy that I have, like a, when it comes into uh, my body. Okay. And then just uh, being around people that, that drank, it was just so normal. It's more of a, you know, you're just like, maybe I'm just, it's normal to do this and maybe it's not so bad. Yeah. Because I got to tell you, when I was um, into my addiction, like my last few years, I was doing behaviors that I saw like with like family members, like specifically like my dad, because he would drink and I would watch him like just like leave and not come back for like days. And then he'd come Mm -hmm. back drunk. Right. So I saw some extreme extremeness where I'm just like, well, I'm not so bad like him. Like I still come home at night, right? Yeah, just take right? care of my kids, right? So that helped me yeah. to to have like a gauge of like it's not so bad. Yeah. So it kind of I feel like they both play into each other. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're right, and and I think that happens a lot. Why? Right when trying to justify the reasons, well, it, like you said, it's not that bad. I mean, I come home, right, and. And then it's like, okay, well, how, oh, this is okay. And then we continue to do unhealthy habits, right? Because we're creatures of habits. Um, and yeah, it, it's accessible, right? Alcohol is accessible. Uh, once you're 21, I mean, even for younger kids, they start, you know, there's older adults buying it for the young just to, you know, um, be part of, I don't know, like this society that thinks like oh, alcohol is is a good thing but we know definitely that it it can take people's lives right um what was your like aha moment like get they so despertar and be like okay yeah yeah no mas so I had a few aha moments that were just like it took me to my last rock bottom right because I, I want to say that it's just that one thing, but my last year of drinking, it was just like different people coming into my lives. And the best part of it, like just was like Latina women that mm. for me, I resisted being a Latina woman, right? Because I was just like, you know, growing up, especially like growing up in, um, in the 90s, like the 80s, it was just wasn't accepted as it was today. I mean, there are different challenges today. I don't want to disregard that as well. Yeah. Um, But just like when we grew up, it was like, I didn't see a lot of dark skinned girls like me. Right. So it was like, we just I felt so different. So for me, it was just like, I just resisted like my mom, 
right that that she like we had to go to school with like rice and like just like foods yeah. that were not Canadian. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah so, I know so I was always trying to fight her or just like Latina women I did not want to be like that right mm. and just watching just um different like um abuses that happened in our family I was just like okay yeah. I don't want to be like that I want to be different. I want to be like, just not like them. And so ironically enough, my last year, I told my mom, I said, listen, I think I have a drinking problem and I think I need to get help. And it was this powerful moment of between me and her, because I never told my mom anything because I always try to protect her right? Mm -hmm. She always needed protection from me is what I thought, right? It's like, we can't tell her anything. It's part of that secrecy that happens in our culture. Yes, definitely. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And so I was like, no, I can't tell her. But then I told her, and it was the first time that I had opened up to her and said, I'm like desperate, right? And so she just said, you know, you can, you can stop, you know, just, you know, she gave me that talk and, and I still kept drinking, right? Yeah. And, uh, but when it came time, my last drink drunk was like, on a Christmas day. And that same moment, she said to me, I was going into a blackout. And she said, like, don't do this to yourself. And don't do this to the kids. I went into a complete blackout. But knowing that she was there, and just her words, and just the caring, that was like, for me, just powerful. And I remembered that the next yeah. day when I woke up and I was like, I was done. So that was one. And the second one was my daughter. My daughter, I started drinking when I was 14. Like I said, I was a teen yeah. mom. So when I stopped drinking, she was 18. And she had watched me drink all her life up until she was 18. I drank in front of her. I passed out in front of her. Just really just putting through her through a lot of yeah. what I had been through too, repeating that pattern. Right. Mm, okay. And when she was 17, like my, my last year, she, I was going to take her to get her tattoo one time. And I was too drunk to show up. I was passed out. I didn't show up and she was upset at me, but she didn't say anything. The following week we went to a, a party and I got drunk and she said to me in front of everybody, she was like, look at you, you're drunk, you know, look at what you're doing to yourself and to us. And at that moment, I was like, how dare she talk to me like that? I would never talk mm-hmm. to my mom like that. Like, who does she think she is? Went into self-righteousness and just kept drinking. But when my moment of like, the rock bottom came, I thought about her and how I had impacted her her whole life. And I heard her, even though I didn't hear her at that moment. Yeah, her voice and my mom's voice was at that last day that I drank. And I was like, Oh, my God, I need to like, stop. If I don't stop, I'm gonna lose them. Or I'm gonna die. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was that moment where I'm like, I need help. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you know, you just, your mother and your daughter, two important females in your life, right, came to say, hey, we love you too much for you to get hurt, and like you said, you were resisting, you were just like, no, leave me alone, but because love conquers all, 
for yourself yeah. and for them it just took over and and that's really like beautiful to hear and when you were you know because you mentioned that your daughter grew up seeing you since like she was like little up to 18 would it what did your parenting look like when it came to you know obviously parenting style mm-hmm. or approach yeah so when I was drinking I was just there physically right and I told myself as long as I put her like in different programs and didn't keep her at home again just mm. comparing my life to hers yeah well we were always in our clothes in the weekends just partying with the adults like we weren't partying but we were with the other kids that their parents partied with right so we weren't exposed to like going out we were always hiding not hide, I won't say hiding but uh, we were always inside for the days that they were drinking right so I was parenting and I was like well at least I'm taking her out I'm putting her in camp. I'm like driving her here. I'm taking her here. I'm giving her more exposure. So I'm like a better parent because of that. But physically I'm there, but emotionally and mentally I'm not there because I'm drinking. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Those moments, right. Of the way I don't consejo, la voy a guiar, la voy a decir, you know, I love you in times and like, I, what I'm hearing you say is more of like there won't there was not a lot of those moments um to be yeah. done because of you know the alcoholism but um now that your daughter is older and she's seen your transformation what is that how does that look like now for you guys so just to backtrack a little bit I had twins uh 11 oh, years nice. later oh so wow I had, yeah <laughs> So my twins, when I first got sober, were seven and she was 18. Um, oh, okay. So two girls and a boy. And uh, and especially with her, I mean, I, I know it's because I had drank till she was 18, right? Um, you know, she is someone that uh, she really helped. Like she just, she's my cheerleader, I want to say, right? She really helped me to see that light without her knowing and mm-hmm. so right now we're in a, we're mending our relationship, you know, slowly. Um, it took some time, like we're there, we're getting there, but I think it's always going to be in the back of our minds, especially if we grew up with alcoholic parents, right? Yeah. I don't think it completely heals. It heals with time, but, you know, I've been there for her at the moments that she needed me the most um, when I was sober, right? Um mm. Cause I can't go back to, to change things the way they were. Right. Yeah. Like when I first got sober, I was like, Oh my God, how am I ever going to make things right? Right. And yeah. I wanted to go back to the past and erase it, but I had realized like these things are happening for a reason. And, you yeah. know, I got really, I'm so grateful that we're changing, like me and my kids are changing the patterns of like addiction. Like, we can't change if addiction comes to them, but there is recovery, right? And that's like yeah. the best gift, you know, that we can give like our future generations. Yes, definitely. Yeah, because we are capable of healing it. And it's a, 
individual personal choices say, Hey, I'm going to change like now. It doesn't mean it's going to be super easy, but that still doesn't mean it's impossible. Yeah. Right. Yes. Because it's going to take time. I've always said like time is another word for love. When we implement time into our lives and we implement knowledge, it's just creates such a different approach, right. Of how we see life, the choices we make and and uh, how we choose to love ourselves every second or minute of time, right? Yes. Um, but that that is so um, really awesome because your story, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners right now that can relate because many people will say, oh, well, I just have a glass of wine, you know, when I get home. And then that one glass of wine turns into two, three, four, five. But then they're like, but I'm I'm very functional. I get up the next day and I still go to you know, to work. The thing is that if they have kids and they get buzzed or, um, I mean, what would be the terms like bus drunk? Like, is, is there like certain terms? Cause sometimes I'm like, wait, is it buzz tipsy drunk <laughs> or is um, it just, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, I would just say for me, it was, I always said buzzed. And oh, then drunk. okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Well then there, okay. Then I'll use bus and then drunk because it is like, okay, you're kind of there either. You can stay there or you can get too drunk. Right. In, yes. in that way. Yeah. Okay. So for listeners um, who find themselves like, Oh, I drink one glass of wine and I'm, I'm good. But when there is not that self-control in the home and it's like drinking a beer, I mean a mm-hmm. beer or wine, whatever it is, what maybe they don't realize is that when they're under the influence at some point, their emotions are like all over the place. So when it mm-hmm. comes to parenting children, right, they're not present the way they should, even though they can just go to sleep in a very deep sleep because, you know, either they're buzzed or drunk, they still aren't capable of getting up and going to work and getting that paycheck. But mm-hmm. us as parents, right, we're more than just providing financially right the importance of being present um so that the parenting aspect is is very important now when it comes to like relationships right in a marriage or you know um how did how did that like affect you in that manner if you feel comfortable sharing oh yeah like I had my relationship with I'm gonna say with my twins dad um, because I had with my daughter, her, I was a teen mom, so I never didn't marry the, that guy, but the second, um, guy I stayed with for 10 years and it was, it was just complete hellhole, right? I just was so out of control. I was angry all the time. Mm-hmm. I tried to just maintain the house and maintain the kids, but I couldn't, I was always just like angry and I need to drink Mm. or I was like sad and I need to drink and in between I'm gonna take care of the kids my my husband and then just the house Mm. so you're just like that hamster running in that cage right and then you're just like for me it was like I just need to drink so I can feel better. I need to drink so I can feel like a Disney mom because that's what I called it, the Disney mom where you don't yell, you don't, you say yes to everything. Your kids listen to you. It's Mm -hmm. like that illusion that everything's fine, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, because it's it's easier, right? Because it happens. Where it's just like, okay, as long as they listen, okay, maybe I'll threaten them here and there. This way, I keep that a Nintendo, Nintendo, <laughs> <Way Yeah. back. laughs> PlayStation. <laughs> you know, yeah. but it's it's interesting how when we parent and we connect, there is a different approach, right, of how the kids behave with us, and then when. When there's disconnection, we start seeing the reflection of us through their behavior. And then we get triggered and we don't like it, but we presented it. It's interesting, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. And and that's how I operated with my kids and like my partner at the time. It was like, okay, like if they just listened, then everything would be okay. Oh, mm-hmm. right. And yeah. that's not the way life works. Like, yeah. and I know for myself, I was parented that way. You just got to listen. You don't ask questions. You just do what you're told. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, were, uh-huh. Yeah. That, that like permissive sometimes just more like um, listen to what I tell you, what to eat, what to wear with this and that, and just, just things will be easier. But then what do you think are the, the barriers, right? Because one, it's that parenting aspect and then we have substance abuse. So what would be like, the barriers do you think I'm, I'm pretty sure it happens to where it becomes physical right the punishment mm-hmm. aspect with with children what do you think about that I don't like do you mean like as opposed to like to hit your kids if yeah discipline? yeah is that what you yeah mean? exactly mm-hmm. I like for myself I didn't choose that route because I just I felt a lot of pain feeling that as a kid and I mm-hmm. felt like it didn't help me to correct my behavior it just feared it put fear into my life to to be who I am and that's yeah. why I chose to do it differently but I didn't know how to do it. when I first got sober I needed to learn different ways to discipline my kids because the way I was disciplining was not working mm. so and then like I think a lot of like some parents, like they'll, especially um, people that get sober, it's like, we expect so much of us to do like correctly as a parent when we first get sober and that everything will be fine. So I don't have to drink, but that's not reality. Mm-hmm. You know, kids, kids are going to be kids. They're going to like test your boundaries. They're going to, they're going to just do what they want. And, and, but that's part of, being kids and I think a lot of us especially in the Latin culture we weren't able to express that it was just like like just don't say anything don't do anything so we weren't learned that correct way to do it I don't want to say correct but that way no yeah makes us feel good right because Mm -hmm. I I think I think in some cases I've seen people that do it and they're okay with it or for me I'm just like no I want to teach my kids something different to give them different tools and not just stick yeah. to the tools that I learned yeah no yeah you're right definitely like I can totally understand that and relate right growing up not having a voice like we were talking about right so and then we start seeing how family members around us start to behave especially our mothers and our fathers right like there's certain um, ways of of picking up their unhealthy habits or what we also call generational trauma responses, yeah. right? Um, and then that leads into us like, oh, well, this is norm. I grew up seeing this. Okay, you know, 
And so we think it's okay to, you know, bring substances or bring in like that, those unhealthy parenting habits. But what I'm hearing you say is like, you know, you chose, you chose different, there was a shift, right? Like, um, that shift of I'm going to change my life. Now, as you were changing your life, um, did you attend AA meetings? Like, wh what do you think about the meetings? So some people will talk bad about them and be like, no, it's like, it's worse if you go to those meetings because then you end up like hooking up with people that end up, you know, have bad habits. And then there's some that are like, no, it's like really awesome. What do you think yeah. about that? So I think like, I mean, for myself, I love AA, right? Mm -hmm. I, um, I can see how some people it's not for them because it's like with any program, right? It's how you're going to work that program, right? And then we have different ways of looking at programs based on our either life experience or experiences when you do like let's an AA meeting when you do attend it. So what I say like for myself and my clients is like, okay, so how do you see your recovery? What do you want to do? Right? Because it's AA is not for everybody. Um, just staying abstinent is not for everybody. There's different types of programs that work for other people. Yes. And I think that one of the important parts of healing and, and, and recovering is to find something that's going to work for you. And to find someone but to like have support while doing that, because I know for myself, like just to work things by myself, it's just pure pain. And just like, I go in circles and I try to talk myself out of it. And, you know, just like, oh, maybe I wasn't so bad. That's why I hit so many rock bottoms. I would hit mm -hmm. these rock bottoms and I was like, oh, I've done worse. Then I would go and do worse mm -hmm. things. And it's like chipping away at my self-esteem, right? Yeah. So it's, asking for help, like who can help me, who gets me, who's in the same situation as me, right? So that way they can mm -hmm. guide me and I'm not doing this alone and I can choose a program that works for me. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Cause there is programs called, um, I don't know if I, I'm gonna get this wrong, but it's the Narconon, right? Am I saying that wrong? Uh, it's the groups. It's like a support group for the ma family members who have oh, right. members, right? Who are, um, it's under the substance because it's to be able to learn how to help them, but then they have the, the, um, alcoholic anonymous, right? Um, yeah. and I wanted to add this too, cause you were saying like, you know, uh, the word relapse, right? Um, I, when I see my clients it, and sometimes I'll tell them like, you know, as long as you're working on it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're, you're going to relapse and we're not expecting perfectness here. Right. So, um, it can be, I don't know, the 17th relapse, the 22nd relapse, you know, and, and as long as they're working on it, right. To be able to be like, okay, I'm not less of a human being. I'm not less of a man. I'm not less of yeah. a woman. I'm not less of a mother or whatever, you know, titles or identities we carry with ourselves, right? Because we're mothers, we're sisters, we're friends and comadres or whatever, right? But yeah. um, it's it's just being able to understand, like, we, it's okay to make mistakes, but of course we can prevent them <laughs> at some extent. But a veces, you know, because we're human, lo vamos a regar, and it's just, 
going to happen. We want to get up right mm -hmm. from, from that. Um, so what title would you give your life, you know, from like all that you've gone through, like, ¿Qué titulo le darías en un libro? Oh, it's funny you say that because I'm actually working on writing a book with my daughter. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, my oldest daughter, yes, because we just feel like we have so That's much to so give. Good. Yeah, just with like recovery. And yeah. so she, I'm writing my book part and then we're going to make it a two part section, like where it's my story and then her story. Yeah, that is so neat, especially like for Latinas. Oh my God. That is yeah. so awesome. Once you get it, you come back and we'll like promote it here. <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. Because there's so much that, you know, we, there's still more to share and just like, yes. you know, the, because like, I think what happens in, and this is why I, I talk about my recovery so much is like, I'm on social media and people will see me just like happy and just like really grateful for the life that I have. And I, I am truly grateful but they don't see my recovery. They didn't see my drinking, but they also didn't see my recovery. My first day, my second month, my year, my three years, like it's, and it's not just about not drinking. There's mm -hmm. so many things that happen. Yeah. New discoveries about myself, my kids. Like I learned so much about my kids. I'm just like blown away. Like, you know, I've yeah. heard our kids are our greatest teachers. And I never really thought that like it was true. But now I'm just like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe these are amazing human beings that I like raised. Do you yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah. Because you're, you're capable, right? And like you said, maybe that self doubt kicked in at times, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, you're right. People don't see behind the scenes, right? Yeah. That that those moments of that ugly cry we get in the shower or or in the car or, you know while you're driving or there's so much like waves of emotions yeah. and like you said people just see like okay the happy happy me and and as you're saying that I thought how and I think you mentioned it earlier but um how there's these expectations right when people say oh you're you're sober oh you already gave el titulo oh, okay you have to honor it to the like the T a hundred percent and you know, regard, like you have to like honor perfectness, you know, and it's like, no, no, not at all. Right. So, so what would you say to those moms who are trying to stay sober, but there's that one person, it could be the husband, it could be like a family, like trying to judge instead of supporting, they, they're like judging, like, what would you tell that mom that that's just trying their best, but there's support systems not really supporting yeah I, I mean there there's going to be people in our lives that don't agree that are like what is this anyways right like mm -hmm. like I know for myself I didn't know anything about recovery until I stopped drinking and as a family we a lot of us recovered like my sister um when I first stopped drinking and you know, she said, I had no idea that it was that bad. And I said to her, it's because I hit it, right? I mm. hit it so well. And, and she was like, she's my best friend. So she was like, like clueless, I want to say, but she just didn't know the deep pain I was feeling. Yeah. Right. And so when, 
I recovered, our whole family recovered, but it didn't come with like challenges of like, you know, just like, oh, just stop drinking. You can do it. Why can't you just have one? Right. And I got to a point where it was like, you know, you, you can't, one of the biggest things I wanted to do was change their minds. And I wanted them to see, um, what I was like doing and mm-hmm. just, I wanted to change their minds. Right. But I realized I can't do that. I have to fix, look at myself and go inwards. Right. Because I'm always, if I'm always trying to fix other people, I'm not really focused on myself. So yeah. for the moms, it's like, okay, just going inside because as moms, we forget about ourselves. We're the last people. Yes. And it makes sense why we would go, oh my God, I need a drink. Because it's the illusion of like, it's time for myself and this is how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to feel good about it. Yeah. And and I don't want to disregard because there are people that they drink and it's like having like a piece of chalk and it's like, oh, everything feels better. Right. Mm, and yeah. it does for some people, but then there's other people that it goes where as a as a mom or as a woman, it's like, you know, if you're asking yourself that question, if I'm drinking too much, mm-hmm. then there's something wrong because you wouldn't be asking yourself that question. Exactly. Yeah, that is so good. I love that you said that because I, I'm pretty sure it happens definitely like often. Yeah. And, you know, do you think that is linked to the shame? hundred percent a hundred percent I think that I think as women little girls were taught shame very easily we're and me personally I think we're taught shame more than praise mm-hmm. um you know it's so powerful and it plays out in our lives like I'm still learning about how shame plays out in my life and I'm just like oh my god I did not see it yeah right and and I think too in, in our, in our world and social media world too, it's like, we don't talk a lot about shame. And especially in recovery, we talk about the good stuff of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not a bad thing. Cause you know, we need to have people that we are like, Oh, if that person did it, I can do it too. Right. Like we do yeah. need that, but it's like, I feel like shame is not normalized or just like, yeah. there's still, it's still like, nobody wants to talk about it. Like, let's just, put it in this box and like make it wrapped in a little bow and you know mm-hmm. hopefully we don't have to like talk about it and I can heal without seeing it yeah or dealing with it yeah 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 definitely I agree with you shame is something we must talk about you know and because we all have that one story in our mind of like those labels right that were handed over to us doesn't mean just because they were handed over means that we own them not at all right I had someone tell me like oh my god like every time I have I see shame in me I I see the word pendeja because she heard Mm. that word so many times you know I did an episode talking about that specific word because I know I grew up hearing it at times from my own mother right so it was like oh my god So when it comes to these labels that we bring to, you know, that our parents 
um, handed over. And now we have to be like, okay, no, <laughs> a la basura. Yeah. You know, it takes time. So when it's that question of like, am I drinking too much? And then what sometimes we call the outer child, right? Um, oh yeah, you ha- you have to continue drinking because remember you weren't worthy. It is not been, you know. And it's yeah. that convincing, like that little, yeah, what is the devil and the little angel kind of yeah. approach, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And also, what follows, like if if I'm drinking too much, a lot of like my clients are like. I have to do something about it. Or a lot of people I'm going to say, it's like, now I have to do something about it. But why do you have to do something about it? Because then it becomes something like, if I don't do something about it, then I'm going to shame myself more. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I know it's yeah. not good for me, but I'm continuing to do it. And that's what keeps the addiction alive. It's like, I know this is making me feel bad, but I'm still doing this and I'm going into a complete blackout. I wake up, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm waking up, my kids are up, they're doing nothing. So the shame keeps just making us feel worse and worse and worse. Mm. Instead of just yeah. asking yourselves questions to be curious yeah. and no attachment to it. Like, especially as moms, it's like, oh shoot, I was gonna swear. Um, I just passed out and I woke up and my kids are now, they haven't been fed and they're watching TV. So this is what I used to tell myself, right? Now I'm this worse mother, right? And mm-hmm. then I start to compare myself to other mothers. Oh, I'm sure she doesn't do that. Look at me, I'm terrible, right? Yeah. And I just keep repeating that every weekend. Like that, right? Yeah, that whole cycle. Huh? The cycle. Yeah. Right? But, you know, here's the thought. If my partner did it, I'd be like, oh, he just drank too much. And now I'm going to take care of the kids. Oh, okay. Kind of like, I still got like, I'm still doing something right. Yeah. And and also I'm, I'm beating myself up more because as a woman, as a mom, I should be, I should be doing this role perfectly. Right. Not drinking, not making mistakes or not, you know, just doing like, whatever it is I think at that moment is wrong yeah where if yeah. my husband does it oh it's okay he just went, went out with the boys and he drank it's okay yeah because for some reason normalized like for men right and I yeah. it, it just takes me way back like you know like even like great grandparents or ancestors but I know my paternal grandfather drank so much and unfortunately because of that I was not ever able to meet him so he passed away when my dad was 18 years old so I'm sure my dad saw those patterns and sometimes my dad will drink socially here and there but you know it's not like during the week but then now I have two brothers so they grew up seeing that one of them is just he drinks a little bit more than he should and and I think he's improved in that aspect um but it's crazy how we see these patterns, right? Of just, um, what would it be? Of the shame, like you said, it's not just the alcohol, it's the shame, the trauma, the sadness, yeah. the disconnection. And, and later on, you know, for us as females, and now we're mothers, 
you know, we see how our mother was and it was like, oh, oh, because my mom didn't drink. My dad, you know, my dad did at times, but it was like, okay, then maybe I just have to be like, like my mom and I have to like, you know, honor that role of how, what she presented herself as. Right. So now as mom, yeah. we're like, I'm going to beat myself up. Like, oh my God, you know, I, I'm not being, I'm not behaving the way, like you said, that a mom should. Right. Because sometimes there's like, I don't know, did your mom ever try to correct you a lot of times as you, you know, throughout your life and it was just triggering. Did that oh, happen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and especially as kids, like we got so much like punishment and we got hit because things weren't done perfectly. Mm. And, you know, now I yeah. know my mom had her own battles, you know, she had her, her own things that it got passed on to me. And it's like, mm. like you said earlier, now it's like, do I want to choose to bring it with me? Right. And sometimes mm -hmm. there is no choice when you're not seeing it. And even when I see it, I still pass it on. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's not perfect. It's not going to get done perfectly. It's progress. Yeah. We're changing. I love to see that we're changing generations down the road, the future generations. Like I believe the purpose that I have was to change this part of our family and our generation, because there's got to be some good coming in it. Right. Yeah. And, and and that's like the way I choose to see it. And it's like, okay, there was no recovery with my grandparents, right? Or my mm -hmm. parents, you know, yeah. now is the time. And, and um, you know, it's, it's time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It is time to be able to shift. It's uncomfortable, but it's rewarding with as time goes on because, you know, our I, I always share that we we raise our kids, but we're also as, because we were going to have grandchildren, right, down the line. So it's just like, we're also responsible for our grandchildren's future based on yeah. how we tend to shift this, right? It's just amazing how, how life is. So um, what are three advice that you can you know, gift <laughs> to um, the Chingona moms listening to this episode? What are three advice that, that you can share? So one of the, the advice I would say is that what we talked about earlier is start asking yourself, what relationship do I have with alcohol? Like, am I drinking too much? You know, be as honest as you can mm -hmm. and, you know, write it down. So that way, because I find with journaling, it just helps to be honest. It's incredible how much we have in our heads that yeah. keep us from being honest with ourselves. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Just ask those questions. Like ask yourself, um, am I drinking too much? Like, when am I drinking? Is like, is something coming up when I drink? Mm -hmm. Because those are questions that that'll help you to understand yourself as opposed to beating yourself up and just saying, or just saying, Oh, life sucks. And I'm going to drink because I can't handle it. You know, part yeah. of recovery is learning how to deal with life without alcohol, but getting to know ourselves without alcohol mm -hmm. and what makes me tick. Yeah. Right? Cause you're always going to tick. You're human. Yeah. Right? 
Most definitely. <laughs> yes, that's so true. Because for me, I mean, I, I don't drink, but, but I think my addiction was, um, shopping <laughs> yeah. and yeah, it, it's different. Addictions are different for everybody. Right. Yes. Yes. And and the second thing is um, believe that it's possible. Right. I know Mm -hmm. that it's so hard, especially when you're in it and drinking has become your norm. And it's like, I don't know how else to live. Right. Mm -hmm. When you don't know how to live and then all of a sudden it's like the alcohol gets taken away from you or you choose to stop. It's like, oh, my God how am I going to live? It's like being dropped off in like the Amazon and it's like, get out now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So believe that you can get yourself out of it. Right. And, and that belief will help because it's incredible. I mean, I, I I think that, and I feel like your listeners are open to believing and, and just that it is possible. And I tell you, I've been drinking for like, over 25 years and I've been sober for 12 years now and my story is so filled with like pain joy a lot of just there's violence in it you know and it's like then this is why I'm writing the book because I'm just like what I've been through whether it's like as a child or even as a teenager like it's just I never thought I would be a person to recover. Mm. Right. And just that feeling of like, oh my God, I don't know how to stop for today. Like, and I wasn't even thinking that I was just like, how am I going to stop drinking? You know, which goes into the third point, you know, if you're going to stop drinking, like don't see it as like, I'm going to stop drinking. Cause I think something happens in our brain when it's like, I know for myself, when someone says, you got to stop drinking. It's like, I become resistant. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? I'm never going to like drink alcohol. And all of a sudden it's like, I'm trying so hard to keep it alive inside of me and to drink. So I become more resistant. So it's like, okay, stop drinking. Like tell yourself you can stop drinking for the moment. Mm, okay. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then just, uh, what do you call it? Stretch that time into the day because I tell myself every day I'm not going to drink today that's it I do it every day because for myself I still I still remember drinking I still Mm -hmm. remember the feeling it gives me there are times I go to a party and I see everybody like they're having fun they're drinking their beer I love the taste of beer you know I share with like my clients and people I talk to I'm still in recovery but I know I have to play the tape out and say, okay, if I drink this beer, what's going to happen? So like playing, start playing the tape out. Like, because I used to go into, I need to drink into blackout. Mm. So now I say, okay, if I have that first drink, what's going to happen? I'm going to want another one. Then I'm going to want another one. Pretty soon I'm going to be drunk, blacked out, won't remember anything. So I really need to slow down and play that tape out. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. Definitely that those, those reminders, right, to condition the mind to remember at this moment, I'm choosing to not drink or today, right? Yeah, definitely. And it's, 
it's uncomfortable sometimes to sit with those raw emotions at times, right? But it's it'll pass. It'll pass. And I think that's what we sometimes forget that get, you know, yes, we our emotions are part of our being. Um, but eventually there are those waves. I mean, va a pasar and se puede. Claro que se puede. Yes. Right? Sí. Yeah, sí. sí se puede. Sí se puede. I was going to say it's not going Spanish. Yes, you said that. Yes, definitely. But thank you so much for your knowledge, sharing your heart. Um, so excited for you and your daughter to have the book. Honestly, it's so needed. I think, my goodness, we need so many books out there from Latinas because we we can't relate to a lot of you know the books that are out there that are non-Latinas, and it's just like, oh, it's so different and it's it's so needed so i'm sure it takes time to type and think and do all this stuff so it's gonna pay off so you know we're here for you and thank you for making that time throughout your day to to write that book as well as your daughter because it's so needed and in our world here so thank you thank you so much um and where can people find you Okay, I want to first say thank you for giving oh, me yeah. the opportunity to talk, Welcome. share my story. I feel like it's so needed. And I just was so happy when you were like, yes, you know, yeah. you're on my <laughs> podcast. Uh, yes. And I just want to share that you are on my vision board. Oh, and my I realized that, Like, because I was looking for um, this was like a couple years ago. Yeah, it's so funny. I put you on my vision board. Oh my and God. <laughs> I just wanted to share that. I'm going to even send it to you. And I was like, oh, oh wow. That is Amazing. so cool. It's an honor. Definitely. See, God, the world, just it was just meant to be definitely to have you here. Yes. So that's so yes. awesome. I'm Thank happy you. to hear that. You're very, very welcome. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, I think that many of our listeners would definitely benefit to working with you. Este, so, ¿cómo te pueden encontrar? so I'm on Instagram as life in recovery coach and yeah, they can okay. find me there. Okay. Awesome. And I will also put the link on the notes below. So thank you again for your time and definitely you'll be back. Con este libro. Es el libro sí, chingón, sí. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for more. Adios. Gracias por escuchar. Thank you so much for tuning in the Chicana and Latina Moms podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Chicana underscore Latina Moms podcast. And also, don't forget to leave a review. Gracias. Mm-hmm.